This is You Can Adopt, a series which explores and debunks many of the most common misconceptions about adoption in England. You'll hear first-hand experiences from many different people involved in the adoption process, with each episode hosted by recognisable voices sharing their own experiences of adoption. To find out more and to begin your journey towards growing your family, please visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt. Now, enjoy the episode. Hello, you're listening to the You Can Adopt podcast with me, Lem Sisay. We've spoken to a range of people about adoption, those who have been adopted themselves or have adopted children, including those with additional needs, family groups of children or older children. We've also spoken to birth parents about their role and voice in the adoption process. Today, we're speaking to Jennifer, who was adopted two sons with her husband. We'll be talking about her adoption journey as well as her experience of being a a black adopter. It's an unfortunate fact that black children and children of mixed heritage wait the longest of any children to be adopted. And there are also a number of barriers and misconceptions that deter members of the black community from taking the next steps to adopt. Some concerns people cite about adoption include housing, their finances, and worries about their age, marital status, as well as perceptions about how adopting might be perceived by the community. However, the key attributes for adopting a child are providing a loving, safe, stable home, and factors such as occupation, working full-time, salary, and size of someone's home are not important. I myself was fostered for the first 12 years of my life and it wasn't the most positive experience um, and also it wasn't the most negative experience. Um, It had its issues. I went into care when I was 12 years of age after being fostered for the first 12 years of my life and then I left care at 18. So essentially I was in care for the full 18 years, fostered and in children's homes. And I have so much experience of incredible uh, adopted people whose parents they love and whose parents love them. Let's welcome Jennifer to the podcast to talk about her experience. Jennifer, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. It's a total pleasure. You are so welcome. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today. Firstly, though, just tell me a bit about yourself, about where you grew up and um, what led you towards this journey that we're going to talk about. I am from Leeds. I was born in Leeds to um, my mum and dad, who have four children. I'm the youngest of four. When I was, let me think, what is it, 18, I went to university and in the Northwest and decided to stay here after that. And that's where I um, met my husband. And then we, you know, we got together, we got married and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> and as, as we're going to be talking about lots of elements of adoption and your adoption story, but 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 we're also going to be talking about race um, to a degree and in particular um, issues. So 
Where were your parents from? My parents are from the Caribbean, a little island called St. Kitts. It's a dual island, St. Kitts and Nevis. You know, they came over here with the whole Windrush. Um, and so they, they settled in Leeds and, you know, they're great. It's a wonderful journey that they've made because it's um, defining of a whole new generation who have contributed in such a large way to the to what it is to be British. You know, the people of St Kitts, for example, in the Caribbean, would have been a colony of 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 Britain, um, and therefore, yes, they were part of the British Isles almost. Just like the just like the Falklands. Yeah, when they came over, they came over on a British passport. So yeah. So it's hard for us to imagine right now in this in this Britain of four countries, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England, that actually, you know, the British story once held uh, once was uh, replicated around the world. They were happy to come over here and get a better life for themselves and and their children. And that's what that's what family is about. It is about making a better life for yourself and your children. That's Absolutely. got to be one of the yeah. So thank you for sharing that uh, at the right at the top. You know, because that <laughs> question, that question, where are you from, can sometimes trigger all kinds of um, reactions. No, it's true. Sometimes I think, do I just tell them I'm from Leeds or do I say, you know, my parents are from the Caribbean? Because usually that's what they actually want to know. (laughs) Well, in this case, both of those things are relevant. So, Jennifer, what led you to adoption? My husband and I, we were married for probably maybe five or so years, deciding, yeah, we should we should start a family, you know, like most most a lot of married couples do and then obviously realize that things weren't really happening in you know getting pregnant and that kind of thing so um you know after a few tests and visits to the doctors and all that kind of stuff we discovered it, it was just going to be more difficult for us it wasn't impossible but it was going to be more difficult so we just thought we needed to step back and decide where to go from there really and I I would have had to use donor eggs so after a few conversations and things I was like well you know I'm I'm adopting somebody else's eggs why don't we just miss all this stuff out all these injections and and all that kind of stuff and just go to adoption because we're kind of halfway there already and he kind of looked and thought, do you know, I've not thought about it that way. Let's do that. And and that's what we did. Did you ever think like much earlier on in your life that you would be an adopted parent? Did, did the idea of adoption ever take sort of seed, root in you at some point? I didn't know anybody at the time that had been adopted. My husband didn't know anybody at the time that had been adopted. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a conversation that had that had come up in the formal kind of way. At least, I think in the black community, we kind of adopt other members of our family, you know, your sister's son and or your, you know, your auntie looks after you. I think the black community do that quite a lot, but obviously it's not a, a formal adoption. So in terms of, you know, formal, I'd, I'd, not, I'd not really spoken about that to anybody or thought about it or knew what it involved at all, really. But what were the issues that you worried about when you 
first started thinking about adoption, and I mean particularly the worries that we wouldn't be able to rejection. Yeah, you know, you don't you don't want to feel that you know you're going down a road that that's going to end up with a, a dead end, really. You know, and we didn't want to go down the fertility route. We just felt that there was, you know, a lot of just just a lot to take on with that, a lot of emotional stuff, and you know, would it work? The chances that we had were were, were said to be quite slim. Yeah, that's IVF, and I totally understand the amount of stress, and I've, I have friends who've been through that. I was just going to draw you back, just a step back a little bit to to what were the worries that you started to think about regarding adoption as you were embarking on it. Yeah, just just that that you know we wouldn't be able to, and then where, where would we go from there? Um, what what would we do? What does that mean? The end of thinking about having your own family unit. You have your own barriers in your own head you know you think all sorts of things up no I don't know what 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 sort of things do you think of what are those what are those barriers that you think of well for for us particularly we you know we had we had a couple of big barriers between the two of us there were weight issues there was alcohol addiction and there was mental health issues and we were convinced that all three of them would just mean no so it was a bit of, do we even try to find more information about adoption or is it just going to be a no? But it's one of those where, well, unless you ask, you know, all the can say is no, but what you don't want to do is not ask and find out that it is actually possible. And um, But the, but they, they were our, our main worries and we felt barriers to, to being able to adopt. Can I dig down a little bit deeper and ask mm-hmm. about, you, you gave three examples there of things that you thought could be barriers. Could you take a look at one of those things and just explain to me a little bit more about that subject? Build the barrier for me. Well, I, well, I suppose it's it's kind of hard to, to just to pick one because they're all a bit intertwined. Yes. Even in terms of weight, for example, if you are looking for a child that is maybe, you know, a baby or even, you know, a child that's two or three. And, you know, you're thinking, well, I can't run around the park with that child or like like you see some other other mothers and fathers doing in the park. So it's like, you know, are, are they going to want me um, to be a child's parent when I can't be as active as maybe the the parents next door, or you know when it comes to the the the, the mental health. Obviously, there are the times when you have ups and you have downs. Are social workers, you know, the the system? Are they, are they going to be negative about that? Are yes. they going to want to let a child live with parents? or a parent who has any forms of of mental health in illness and how they're going to deal with it if they are having a bad day obviously you know in terms of alcohol addiction what happens if if the person relapses what problems is that going to have for the child there were three big big issues that we had between us and it was just about whether we should bother trying to go forward or not but like I say, it's a case of all they can do is say no. You've got to at least ask the question. So what I th- what I'm hearing is that but the things that a- appealed to an insecurity, yeah, things that you've worked through and are working through. There's a sense that that the social worker will look at those things and 
and and say, well, you're obviously not good enough yeah. because of these things. Yeah. yeah and I think I'm, I just want to thank you, Jennifer, for being open and for sharing, because, you know, why why would we do this, this conversation, if we were not going to get down to the nuts and bolts of things? You know, so thanks for that. Absolutely. And it's also about letting people know that the things that do go on in your own head can be built up bigger. You know, it's not to say that the issues that you might have aren't big issues, but, you know, if you're willing to work through them, willing to acknowledge them and understand what to do with those issues when children are placed with you, then it shouldn't be a barrier but obviously that comes from, you know, yourself, it comes from within, it comes from how you feel about yourself, your self-esteem, all those kind of things. So it, it, what, what is great is that having a child can often make you see yourself, you can be a better human being. And a child challenges all of your insecurities anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, I've kind of already said that there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing like being a parent that makes you look in the, have a good look in the mirror. Wonderful. So what were the first steps of your adoption journey and how easy or difficult was it for you to make that? Um, Because you say we want to adopt and then you look and and think, what what is out there? How do we do this? So tell me a little bit about the journey. I mean, I think what we what we did was we we just applied for a couple of information evenings to the local authority and we just went along to their information evenings just to understand the process you know what happens where you go next from there and I think I think we went to two or three of those and we ended up deciding to go with our local authority. And how did you find them? Did you google? Yeah pretty much. (laughs) Yeah no no great. Pretty much. You see signs on the back of buses and and that kind of thing, and you hear hear you know radio adverts of of people agencies asking for adopters and that kind of thing. So I, I literally just took a number down or went on a website and found out when the next open evening or information evening that they had the the local authority one was the biggest one we went to it had the you know the, the the main people um most amount of people should i say i mean i have seen a few of a few of them again but it is it is a daunting thing because you're sat in a room thinking you're all there for the same reason you know and and you know you, you people are, are there because of fertility issues so you're kind of looking around thinking i wonder why they can't have babies why are they here or you know it's 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 a strange situation to be in to be honest yeah it's a unique experience looking at what you're saying it it feels kind of beautiful uh because these all of these adults couples some of them single um will are coming together for this incredibly powerful reason to adopt a child you know and Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. you said you know many of them will have will not be able to produce a, a, a baby by their blood um and there's a story in every couple who are sat there absolutely do you know anyone else who had uh, adopted? Yeah, I know lots of people now. <laughs> Once you're in it. <laughs> Tell me about that, Jennifer, because when you started this uh, conversation, you spoke, I'm pretty sure you said you didn't know anybody who'd been adopted officially. And then you spoke of how actually in the Caribbean, informal adoption was part of the way through this um, this situation and it worked, uh, albeit informal. But I think that you said you didn't know anybody when you were growing up who was 
adopted. And 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 how and, and if if you contrast that to how many people you know now who were adopted, would you say that there was something about adoption that people didn't speak about when you were a child? Oh yeah, probably. You know, I mean, I remember when we when we first told family and friends and things that that's what we were doing. You know, some people were like, "Oh, you know, that's that's a really noble thing to do," as if I don't know, you're some kind of like saint or something. There are there are children out there that you know need loving homes, and we want to provide that for a child. It's it's not it's not being noble. It's not um some kind of Mother Teresa or anything like that. I think I I just didn't know anybody that were, was adopted when I was younger. And like I say, a lot of the informal stuff was just like normal. You didn't really think about it. Um, but I think once you're in the adoption community, for me, for us, it was almost essential for us to connect with our other adopters, just to have that sense of um, someone else that understands what you're going through, you know, and what's happening. Let's do a list of things that people say to you about adoption that are either <laughs> just wrong <laughs> uh, or that are strange um, or that are right. Okay, we should have a bell after every one of them, like a ding, you know. There's there's the kind of when you do tell somebody that that will straight away just you know, and I think it's not people being horrible, they're just being a bit nosy, I guess, and, you know, we can all be a bit nosy, that want to know, obviously, then, the the child's life story and what happened to their real mum, you know, that kind of thing, you know, what's wrong with them, assuming that all children that are adopted, that there is something wrong or they're, they're going to be bad, they're going to be difficult, you know, all those kind of things. Have you had the... Have you had the the one where you can't love them as oh, as much yes, as if they yes, were your own yes, child? Yeah. How can you how can you love them as much as as you know? Or even why are you adopting? Why can't you have your own? Oh. You know, depending on who it is, kind of depends on whether you'll answer that question or just give them a slap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I'm out of reach while I'm asking you questions. <laughs> What you what you said is really interesting. You know, immediately somebody wants to know the child's life story. I mean, that's incredibly intrusive, um, and you know, but people don't feel that often with the adoption story. What's wrong with them? That's I mean, yeah. wow, gosh, you, I can't believe you know a parent having to answer that question about their child is just it's just oh, um, gobsmacking. That's why I'm reading this list out. Uh, they're going to be bad. Wow. Um, how can you how can you love them? I mean, these are really intrusive and damning questions, but people don't know, so they ask them without thinking. And the last one, uh, why can't you have your own? I mean, yeah. even from people in your own family, those questions are quite. You know what I mean? They're 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 quite intrusive. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's just I think it's just people's perception of adoption. You know, if if you if you've not had any experience of it you don't know anybody then you know I guess you know what's just you know your own stereotypes or whatever you know until you know somebody and someone explains it to you then sometimes you just ask what you think is right even though you know probably if you actually said it back to yourself again you think what, what why did I ask her that but but yeah it's I think it's just about education really I totally um, agree Jennifer thank you for being so open as we enter into the next um 
kind of section of this conversation, um, I need to uh, just talk a little bit about the adoption process and, and your story so far. How, I mean, we've been here a little bit, and maybe we've been here totally, but I was going to ask you, how did you find the the adoption process? Was there a time within this process that you looked at your partner and said, I don't know if I can go through with this? <laughs> Every week. <laughs> because, let, let, I, I, but yeah, just let me share this with you. Any parent who's having their baby will say the same thing, whether it's adoption or not, possibly. Possibly. I mean, the process is, um, people say it's intrusive and stuff. And I understand why they say that, um, you know, because you've, you've just met a social worker who you've, you know, you've never clapped eyes on before, um, who is then going to be in your house, um, looking around, asking you questions like every week for months and months and months. Um, you know, personal questions about your your background, your childhood, where you've worked, where you've gone to school, who your friends are, what your family's like. What's the most personal question? It's, it's everything from the schools you went to, to who your brothers and sisters are, who they're, you know, what difficult relationships you may have been in or what difficult things happened within your families. I think what you said there amongst many things Jennifer was that actually there is a certain amount of insecurity in the black community regarding the the sort of questions that they'll be asked about the life uh, that they lead yeah like authority and that kind of stuff um you know is always kind of a bit touchy when it comes to the black community any kind of authority really so I think sometimes that can just hold people back from wanting to let you know a social worker or any other kind of authority and you know that you have to do lots of different checks you know whether it be criminal checks whether it be gbs checks there's there's lots of different checks that you have to go through in the process and it may well be that for for anyone going through the process that if if they feel that there's skeletons in the in the wardrobe, as it were, that they don't want any of those things to come out. Which is interesting because um, it's not just the skeletons in the closet that people could be scared of. It's the thought of somebody opening that door. Um, yeah. You did mention right at the beginning of our conversation about uh, the adoption process and how it you know, it is quite challenging because of the questions you're asked about your life. So it seems to me that this is about the community knowing adoption, because you said also that your experience is that actually, you know, the issues that you felt um, were private to you uh, were actually were actually they didn't bar you from adopting and so it, essentially you lead by example that's the same with basically you know all parenthood <laughs> you know when a parent has a child whether it's by their blood or whether it's by adoption they are leading by example they're saying no no I can do this you know we can bring up this child yeah, yeah, you know, there's there, there shouldn't be any barriers to it. You know, a lot a lot of the barriers are in, you know, your own head. A lot of ah, the time. That's interesting, isn't it? The barriers that we put inside our own head and what they mm. stop us from doing, that can benefit our lives and the lives of other people. 
you know we but we put those barriers there and it stops us from 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 experiencing life and i think adoption is like probably one of the most powerful ways that a human being can experience life literally yeah yeah it's it's that a leap of faith really into just asking the question what a wonderful phrase the the leap of faith that that's what the adoption process comes down to doesn't it initially i think just to be able to ask the question to say can can i do this can we do this asking a social worker or you know going to one of these information evenings and and you know asking that question hopefully you won't come back with a no but at least you'll know then rather than it just being in your head and not actually knowing either way was the adoption process different you have two two adopted sons so was it different for one than it was for the other the actual process itself, the things you had to go through was the same. But with our second son, we did it in 2020. So we did it during lockdown. So everything was done virtually instead. We still had to do all the whole checks and send all those kind of things out like you did the first time. And we, instead of the social worker coming to our house, we just had zoom meetings every week <laughs> we had zoom meetings with her at our dining table every week to to go over what things had changed if you like from adopting our first son to adopting our seconds if, if anything had changed and would we be not so much would we be able to but you know how would we manage then with a second child that was the focus of the second process because we were very lucky that we that we had the same social worker that we had the first time round so she knew us very well we didn't have to go over all the old ground we'd obviously proven if you like that we could manage and deal with the issues you know that I mentioned earlier that they didn't have an impact on our son and that hopefully we we would be able to do it again and how how involved was your first son how involved was he in the adoption of your second son we talked about it quite a bit with him beforehand you know about having a brother or a sister although he was adamant that it had to be a boy because if it was going to be a girl that no dolls were allowed in the house so we you know we involved him we talked about it you know we got books you can get books on any topic these days we got books about being a big brother or a new member of the family joining and then at some point our social worker did have to speak to him to just get a general feel as to how he was feeling the whole the prospect of of another child coming into the house what was the most rewarding aspect about adopting your sons everything really once you finally 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 go through all the six million hoops that you do have to jump through in what is the adoption process the different panels the numerous panels and numerous meetings um, social workers, medical people, you know, once you've been matched with your child and then you see that picture and you see that profile, it's just from that point, they are your children. In in, in our case, as soon as we saw their pictures, that was it. He was, they were both our, our children. The first, the first time you meet them, it's all a bit, you know, you're more excited than they are. I mean, our, our oldest son, he was 10 days before his first birthday when he came home. 
and our second son came home at the age of six months. So to them, you know, they were babies. They don't know anything. You know, they're just like, who's this lady that keeps coming to my house? We were like super excited. You know, you have this thing in your head where, you know, they're going to come running to you saying, mummy, daddy. And obviously that none of that's going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, you have these kind of dreams in your head of of, of how it's going to look. But, you know, with time and that connection that you you give to them, then, you know, they respond to you because, you know, you're a stranger to them at the end of the day. They they do start to respond to you. And that feeling of them giving you a hug for the first time is just amazing. It's just amazing. It's it's what you've been working towards. It's It's what you've spent all the time talking to social workers and filling out forms and giving them your inside leg measurement, all those kind of stuff to get to that point where you're your baby boy comes and gives you a big hug. That's 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 enough. That's it. So beautiful to hear um, the intimacy of family. I, I sometimes um, despair, actually, at how people feel that if they've had a child through their womb, that they are uh, they are um, they have something which a person who has adopted a child doesn't have. The the fact is, is that that. A child who's born in any way into a family at any age um, goes through this process of learning who matters to them. When they start, I don't care how old they are, it's all strangers. Strangers who are sticking their fingers into the child's hand saying, grip my finger. Look how she grips my (laughs) finger. Well, they're gripping your finger because you've put your finger there. You know, so the, the relationship of touch and hug and and basically you're my mum, you know, and you're my dad. That happens yeah. through those connections that you're talking about now. And it's just beautiful to hear. Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our youngest son, even at the at the tender age of six months, when he first came home, you know, if he kind of, you know, fell over, you know, bumped himself, whatever, he would obviously turn to me to be comforted because he would hurt himself he was in pain but as I would pick him up put him towards my shoulder and pat him you know tell him he was okay but you could feel him pulling away you know he didn't embrace it and it's it's only really been in the past six weeks I would say that he's actually started then putting his head on my shoulder and hugging me back and that's that's at, at six months you know they know you know a lot of people think that because they are so young they they don't know they won't remember the foster carer or they won't really recognize that they lived in one house for six months and then suddenly they, they, they they've gone to another house they they know that and you can see that and it's it's understanding that that's what they are going through and with our first one I don't think we understood that a lot yes you know as yes. much as a lot of the things you have to learn and you kind of have to read where you're going through the process a lot of things you don't appreciate it until you're living it. So you can read all the books, you can read lots of books and you can read the theory and it can make sense to you. But it's not until you are in that situation and you are seeing it and living it that you kind of think, oh, right, okay, that makes much more sense to me now. So with our second son, I think I was more patient in that respect because I understood the process that he was going through. Whereas with our first son, I don't think I really, I don't think either of us really quite mm. understood mm. it. Even though we'd read about it, I don't think we quite understood it. You still got this kind of rose-tinted glasses idea of, you know, your child comes home and everything's marvellous. Yeah. When I, when I was um, 
sorry, just to throw a little bit of my story in there. I found out this this quite recently, but that when I went to my foster parents, I was, a, I don't know, a few months old. I was stiff. I couldn't hug. I actually was quite stiff. I didn't know what to do. That's the only only way I can describe it is stiff um, in, in my body um, until I learned to hug and then you don't want to let go. You know, What's interesting about what you said is that you'd learned from your first child about your second child and how to approach it. That is what parents do. Yes. <laughs> whatever the situation is, you know what I mean? Whatever. Uh, the, the parents, often the first child is the one where they're like, ah, we don't know what we do. And the second child, they're like, ah, we're better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What, what advice would you give to parents and members, particularly of the black community, to encourage them to think of adoption? Information, information, information. You know, there's so much information out there. There's almost no reason why people, why anybody wouldn't, be able to find out exactly what the adoption process involves because there's YouTube videos, there's there's numerous, you know, organisations and you can adopt website. There's so much information out there and I think it's really important that you educate yourself in that and think about how you feel about adoption and be able to then explain that to family and friends when they come up with some of these questions that we some of these comments that we said earlier you know that you can answer them and a lot of the time it's just that they aren't educated in adoption and understanding what it means and why are you going into it? It's it's a lot of information finding. And I think initially we thought we'd done a lot, but we probably hadn't done as much as we thought we had once our son came home. You're like a deer in headlights at that point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you do it for you. You know, you're doing it for you. You're not doing it because of what the community think or anything. You know, it's your family unit. It's your lifelong family that's that you're putting together, if you like. And it needs to be about how you feel and about what you want to do with your family unit. What impact has adopting your sons had on your family, immediate and your extended family, actually? It's like you say, whether you've you've had biological children or whether you've adopted a child, it is a lifelong change. (laughs) And there's no underestimating that. You have amazing days. You have a few bad ones in between, but you make up for those bad ones. But it's it's just been amazing. You know, it took us four years to decide to do it again. And I think that came down to us maybe not knowing as much as we should have done and, and that kind of thing. But we it took us four years to, to do it again. But our family just completely embraced both of them. They love them to death and the boys love them to death and it's it's just amazing it's it's nothing different it's nothing strange it's just you know they're my grandkids they're my cousin they're my nephews that it's that's all it is it's just family we couldn't have asked for for more than that to be honest that's beautiful and I know it's early days but how's your second son settling he's settling fine that the the first one I think the first one's starting to settle fine again (laughs) from the second one coming but yeah the the two of them get on so well even though their age is a is quite a it's not a huge age difference but at the age that they are it's a huge age difference you know one's just turned one and the other one six but they do get on they do play with each other they're happy when they see each other first thing in the morning when they've come on from school all this kind of stuff they just they do connect quite well and it's it's great I think I think we're finally feeling like 
everyone's starting to settle down again because, you know, it is a big upheaval for everybody. You as a second parent, child number one, as all of a sudden it's not just about me anymore. Who's this child that's come in? And because he knows he's being adopted, it's, you know, it's no secret or anything. Is he then going to worry that he's going to be moved on because another one's come in? And, you know, it's all these kind of things that you have to think about beforehand and making sure that you're kind of connecting with him to ensure that he knows he is here to stay. But then also knowing the process that our second son has to go through in terms of feeling more connected and feeling safe with us. And I think after six months, we are starting to move into that direction. We're not there completely, but we we are definitely moving much closer to, to that direction of of everyone feeling safe in the household and and as a as a family unit and would you consider adopting again we always had two two in our head but you can never say never that sounds like a couple doesn't it that sounds, sounds like a couple you know, you decide the ones you want uh, you will have to uh, and what, you know and you think you know you can't you, you never say never because you never know what's going to happen that's beautiful you never know what's going to happen yeah and I wanted to ask you this. This came up, um, and this is actually, it came up because of a story which I won't tell, actually. But do you have a birthday for when they were born, or do you have the birthday for when they came to you? They have their birthday, as in the day that they were born, but then we have family day, which is the day they came home. Oh, oh my gosh. That's just so beautiful. So yeah, so we we have we have two family days. One obviously they came on different days. So the day they 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 first came home is is you know whichever sons that's their family day. Well, um that is the perfect place to say thank you Jennifer for being here today. It's great to speak about this topic and and hopefully encourage our community to consider adoption. And by our community, I mean all all the people who want to adopt or who've thought about adopting or who may consider adopting. That is a community in itself, and I know that you're part of that now. But thanks, Jennifer. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of You Can Adopt. Listen out for more new episodes coming up. For more information and to take the first step towards growing your family, visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt.